relationship. That's been our focus for the last several weeks and uh, will continue to be for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I want to show a quick video. I was going to read an illustration, but I thought this video might be a little, uh, little more interesting. Uh, rela relationships are complicated. Relationships are always complicated. And so we're going to see a short video about a complicated relationship. Maybe I'll chain it to the refrigerator and sell tickets. <laughs> That's nice. Neighbor, put the paper down. You never listen to me anymore. We hardly even talk. Well, we're talking now, I see you for 20 lousy minutes oh, in the morning. And then when you come home at night, you're always exhausted. We never do anything anymore. Where are you starting with me for? You know this is my crazy time of year. <laughs> it's your third day. <laughs> I gotta go to work. We'll talk about this later. Well, call if you're gonna be late. What? What is going on with you oh, two? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Jerry. Hey, Jerry. I'm right here. <laughs> you're late? Yeah, well, I got held up, you know. In your hand. Like you care. <laughs> work piled up, I lost track. Oh, sure, sure. You and your work. Elaine's off in the bizarro world. George only calls when he wants something. And I'm left sitting here like this plate of cold chicken. Which, by the way, was for two. <laughs> but I ordered in. Still effort. <laughs> What's wrong? It's my stomach. You're probably getting an ulcer. This job is killing you. It's killing us. You know what? You're right. These reports, they can wait a couple of hours. What do you say we go out tonight? Any place you want. With Portal, I can see who's at my doorbell. Alex all right. That's it. Complicated relationship. If you know anything at all about Seinfeld, it's a bunch of complicated relationships. People that are really very intimately involved with one another but struggling in terms of their relationships. <clears throat> Turn with me to the book of Colossians. We're going to be Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3 this morning. And uh, we're going to be talking about what it means to live the new life with others in mind. God has called us to live at a very, very deep level of community. He's called, I mean, when you think about the, uh, the biblical text, at the beginning, God expected us to be relational because he is relational. God desired relationship with us. That is why he created us with intellect, emotion, and will. God is relational, and he wants us to relate to him and to relate to one another at a very deep, intimate level. And yet today, relationships are really tough. It's hard to be intimate, to really be able to relate. And especially among so-called Followers of the Messiah. It's a big problem, okay? And uh, I, I was thinking about this. I'm like, you know, people come into right relationship with God through personal faith. You see that in the New Covenant text. Uh, and, and there's some sections where it's talking about that from a theological perspective. But you know, most of the New Testament is all about how we're supposed to live that out. <laughs> how we're supposed to live it out with one another. There are many, many, many passages about how the... 
these new followers of the God of Israel are not doing so well at living in relationship with one another. Why is that, do you think? I'll pick on Morgan because his dad's here. <coughs> Morgan and Udeet have become friends. They're very friendly. And one of the things, one of the things I always ask is, so you had a good fight late, late yet? You know, you have a good fight yet? You have a disagreement, an argument. Why? Because when relationships become truly intimate, when people really get to know one another, there's relational disconnect from time to time. Ask a married person. Ask Jerry and, and Kramer. Misunderstanding is just part of what it means to really be in relationship with one another. It's how people work through that that demonstrates the maturity of their relationship. All right? God wants us to really be intimately involved with one another, to truly be in deep relationship with one another. And, and how we work through that is a demonstration of the reality of our spiritual maturity. So this morning, what I want to do is talk about the hard work, in essence, that is involved in relationship with others within community. Take a look at uh, Colossians chapter 3. This is found on page 1000. 129 of the, congreg of the Congregational Tanakh, chapter 3 of Colossians, verse 12. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves in tender compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord pardoned you, so also you must pardon others. I want to stop there. First, we, uh, we take a look at what it means to live in community and in relationship with one another. As followers of the Messiah, people with new life, we understand that forgiveness is a part of this. We have to learn to forgive one another. Now, it starts by saying because we are God's chosen people. Positionally, do you, under, do you really understand at a deep level, you are not who you used to be. When we come into right relationship with God through our personal faith in Messiah Yeshua, we become new people before the Lord. There's a lot of text about that. New people, new ways. There's a great illustration. I want to read this. Uh, Snopes doesn't think it's correct, but it's pretty good anyway. The U.S. Standard Railroad gauge, distance between, distance between rails, is four feet, eight and one and a half inches. Why such an odd number? Because that's the way they built them in England. And American railroads were built by British expatriates. At least the British are the ones who really standardized stuff. Why did the English adopt that particular gauge? Because the people who built the pre-railroad tramways used that gauge. They, in turn, were locked into that gauge because the people who built tramways used the same standards and tools they had used for building wagons, which were set on a gauge of 4 feet, 8 one half inches. Why were the wagons built to that scale? Because with any other size, the wheels did not match the old wheel ruts on the roads. So who, who built these old rutted roads? The first long-distance highways in Europe were built by Imperial Rome for the benefit of their legions. The roads have been in use ever since. The ruts were first made by Roman war chariots. Four feet, eight and one-half inches was the width of a chariot needed to accommodate the rear end of two war horses. Maybe that's the way it's always been, isn't the great excuse some people believe it to be. Are you the way you've always been? Some of you, yeah. We all are to some extent. 
But are we supposed to stay that way? No. God calls us to change. God calls us to change. That's why so much of what we read in the New Covenant text is don't be who you were. Be who God wants you to be. It demands change. And so in this text, we're going to start by saying we are God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved. Therefore, put on, clothe yourself, put on these things, you know, tender compassion, kindness, humility, gentle patience. You know, here, if we recognize that our humble Messiah died so that we could have new life, then we have an obligation and a responsibility to practice humility ourselves. Because you know what? Relationship demands humility. Real relationship demands humility. Demands humility. Especially like verse 13, bearing with one another. You know, that phrase, it shows up in several different texts in these short little epistle documents. Literally in the Greek, it means putting up with one another. Putting up with one another. Not... Not accepting, accepting people's sinfulness, because that's, that's not what he's talking about. It's more living in such a way that we truly understand one another and are, are demonstrating humility toward one another, going an extra mile for one another. Really, you know, that's, that's critical. You know, I, I've been married a long time now. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if we're going to mention it or not, but the Langs, of course, 30 years of marriage. I think we've got them beat by a year or two or something like that, a year and a half. You've been married to somebody a long time. You understand one thing. They're probably not going to change that much. I, heard a marriage, so I was at a marriage seminar once many years ago. And the guy who had been married a long time said, when I married my wife, I realized my wife never closes a drawer. Never closes a drawer. Our biggest spats were, close the drawers, close the drawers. He realized after about 10 or 15 years of marriage, it was just better to realize that he would be the one to close the drawers. Sometimes our spouses don't change that much in certain things, right? Because it's innocuous. It's just kind of the way people are wired. We accept them for who they are. We encourage them to grow in who they are as a person. But accepting one another for who they are, that's important, especially within a believing community. There's all kinds of standards and expectations when it comes to, to spiritual growth and development. But the putting, the putting up with one another is specific, specifically related to the different personality types that make up a community. You ever heard the old phrase, you can pick your friends, you can't pick your family? It's true. A congregation is not a group of friends. It, it can be, but that's not what it is. It's a collection of chosen people, chosen people, holy and dearly loved of the Lord, coming together. Mishpocha. You'll notice every once in a while I'll say mishpocha in terms of emails. Why? Because spiritual family is what we are. And you can't pick your family. They're your family. You have to demonstrate understanding, humility, patience. It involves forgiveness because people will offend one another in a family, right? Don't we take advantage of family? Don't we let ourselves more open with family? Of course we do. 
And they have to put up, <laughs> my wife's name, I can say, and she's not feeling well either. All the women in my family are sick, all right, including the little kids and Gershon. So he's the only guy. The guys are all, we're fine. We got good, we got uh, good composition. Anyway, disposition. But, but uh, she likes to just say to them, listen, they have to accept me for who I am. And you know, it's true. Family demands humility. It demands understanding. And therefore, we need to make sure that in our relationships with one another, that there's a, a, a forgiving, a forgiveness that's just part of the way we operate with one another, a transparency in the way we interact with one another. Not a taking advantage of, because there's plenty of scripture about that, but an understanding with one another that goes a long way to make sure that things don't develop like grudges and bitterness. Happens a lot in congregations. People hold an, an upsetness because someone said something 10 years ago and they've never forgiven that person. Forgiveness should be something that flows easily out of the life of a person who is a follower of the Messiah. Take a look at verse 14. It says, But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfect harmony. Let the shalom of Messiah rule in your hearts, to this alone you were surely called in one body. Love, demonstration of love. Demonstration of love. When we really care about one another, we really try to understand that we all fail at this in one way or another. But do we understand the expectation within a body of faith to truly have a love and a concern for one another? Putting on love. Why does it say putting on love? Because it's easy to take it off. To say, I don't feel, I want. You need to put it on and find ways to keep it on. Again, humility is what is critically required, right? I think when he talks about letting the shalom of Messiah rule in your hearts, to this shalom you were surely called in one body. Talks about the unity. Remember, shalom at its core really means unity, wholeness. You know, one thing I mentioned in the past, is there anybody that you absolutely would not want to sit down and have a meal with within the community? That's not good. There can be people you disagree with. Disagree with politics, disagree on economics, disagree on some small portion of text. Is there no one you, is there someone you, you, you're such a lack of peace with you can't sit down and have a meal? You know, one of the reasons that as a community, you can see this on the sheet, we have our synagogue values is having an onik, is so that we come and eat together. It's important for believers to eat together. Why? It's basically, it is the way the believers live their lives. Read the book of Acts. The idea of breaking bread, it comes out of Jewish tradition, but the whole thing is all about encouraging and facilitating unity. Not uniformity, but unity, wholeness. Is there anybody that you have a relational break with in such a way that you can't even eat a meal with them? That's not of the Lord. That's not of... It's not of God. 
lusts of your flesh or of the devil. We have to remember this. Having new life in Messiah means that we actually come together with others. Take a look at the last portion. I'm running out of time. Top of page 1129, top of page it says, Also be thankful. Let the word of Messiah dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's interesting that here in this section of text where he's talking about this new life, he begins with forgiveness, he talks about love, and then he ends with gratitude. You know, we're coming up to Thanksgiving, all right? But he ends with gratitude, to be grateful to God. The one thing that I've really come to see is, is our society is so narcissistic that, that we really are not very good at gratitude anymore. You know, it used to be when I was a kid, some of you do this, but I think most people don't do it anymore. You get a gift, my mother would put me down with a piece of paper or a card and a pen and say, you write a thank you note. People don't do that anymore. It's a lack of gratitude that exists. I see it a lot because I have to give a lot. And I, and I just, I see it in the lives of people. People take. There's a lot of taking in our society. When we give, I think that people who give, give because they have a recognition of the fact that there's value in helping and supporting and giving to others. And I find that people that are givers are also much better at expressing gratitude for what they're given. God gave the greatest gift. He gave Messiah Yeshua to bring atonement for our sin so that we might have relationship with God. But within community, giving is, is uh, an expression of how in many ways we, we interact with one another. Are we generous with one another in terms of our time? You know, with the kiddush, the, the, uh, the oneg that we have, are you generous in, in making and facilitating an opportunity for us to just be together? Are you generous in, in your encouragement of others? If you filled out the, uh, the synagogue membership survey, which I, we all members, we need you to do that, you'll notice that one of the questions we asked is, who are you encouraging in terms of their spiritual growth and development? Not so much about you. Who are you impacting specifically? Expression of gratitude, it's core, it's key to living out the new life as a follower of Messiah. And then never forget, as he says this at the end, I love the, the way he uh, ends it in 17, whatever you do or in word or deed, do it. Do it for the glory of God. Do you intentionally recognize God in your day-to-day -day life and just the things that you do, especially your jobs? You know, I always like to point out that thank God he provides employment opportunity for us. You know, uh, Eric, I don't know where Eric is. Uh, Eric uh, really was having, he wanted to be able to not have to work on Shabbat. And uh, he took a step of faith and applied for some job. And God gave him a job where it doesn't even have to work on Shabbat. Then you're going to let him have the Jewish holidays off. It's amazing. They're very sensitive and very open to allowing him to live as a Jew and to, and to observe. Why? That's a gift from God because I know how important this is to Eric. All right, because he wanted to honor God 
he took a step of faith, but I think it all comes out of an understanding that, that God is gracious. That God is gracious. There is no such thing as a secular action for the true follower of Messiah. All our deeds become spiritual actions when they are done to honor Yeshua's name. And when we have that kind of an attitude and a mindset, it's an expression of gratitude for God, to God, for all that he has done for us. Well, let me just wrap this up. <clears throat> How are you living out your new life in Messiah? Are you a quick forgiver or do you like to hold grudges? Boy, I, do, I pray you do not hold grudges. Grudge holding is just destructive. Nobody remembers what it is you are offended by, but you, and it's been killing you for years. Give up the grudges. How deep is your love for others? How genuine and severe and sincere? You know, you probably will find that your love of God isn't much deeper than your love for others, and it's true. You know, people who tend to basically be self-focused and really struggle with, with deep relationships with others, they struggle in their relationship with God. What are you thankful to God for? What are you thankful to God for? Hopefully some tangible things. Hopefully some intangible things. Do you worry? Do you worry? If God blesses us and we're grateful to him for all that he does, worry, I think, takes away from that. So as you go out this week, <clears throat> I encourage you to remember that life is all about relationships, hopefully not dysfunctional like the one we saw in the video. But it demands an awful lot of work and an awful lot of consideration. First of all, practice forgiveness in the lives of people. Second of all, truly, truly seek to live in, in whole relationship with people, especially within this community. Unity is so important for what God wants to do in and through. It's so important for our values as a community. And then lastly, express gratitude for the little things that people do for you. Express gratitude for God for all the amazing things that he does for you. Remembering that it's in him, through our faith in Messiah Yeshua, that we have this wonderful new life. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for just the opportunity to, to recognize you in, in this unique way in worship and, and uh, prayer this morning. I pray, God, that as we uh, go through our days, that we indeed would just rejoice in the newness of life that you've granted us and that it would change us. Help us, God, to not have to be forced to change because the circumstances demand it, but help us to be willing to change to adjust ourselves more and more to be who you want us to be. I pray, God, that we would be better at forgiving one another, better at loving one another, and better at expressing our gratitude toward one another as we go through our lives together as a community. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.